0: Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnon and Josh Marlowe with you guys as Carolina comes off another loss, their third loss of the season, but one that has a much different feel than the first two losses. Carolina fell 31-17 to to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish on Black Friday. Uh, the Tar Heels uh, fought hard in this one. First half led most of the way. Back and forth affair in the first half that ended up tied at halftime, and Notre Dame was able to take over 14 points in the second half for Notre Dame, zero for Carolina as the Fighting Irish get yet another significant win on their resume as they close in on what looks to be a College football playoff season and potentially uh, a national championship season if enough things were to break right. So, uh, Carolina in this game again fought really fought hard. Defense played as well as it's played in a while, um, but the difference in this game really came down to the trench play. And of course, we turn to the man that does the trench report and has been handling that for us uh, for the last two seasons and. Again, you know, not a, uh, not a horrific day for Carolina down there, but just a day that sort of shows where you are as a group down there on on the offensive and defensive lines. Got some players, but these guys aren't quite ready for this type of game, and you're still looking to build up some talent down
1: there. Yeah, if, if we go back to the preview we did last week, and I, I picked Notre Dame to win the game, I thought they would be more physical than Carolina. And that was proven once the game kind of settled in. Carolina got a quick start, scored two touchdowns. But once our Dame was able to kind of establish control, slow down the tempo, and use their physicality, that's where you showed. that's where Carolina's got to grow next. They've come a long way in uh, as we enter the second full season of Mac Brown being the head coach. But they've got to get better up front. And I think in all three of your losses this year, that's been proven that that's where they're the least – like well, that's, that's where they have got more to improve last year where they mm-hmm. lost. It wasn't always they got beat at the line of scrimmage. Sometimes it was turnovers, penalties, red zone. This year it's been the fact that they're not as dominant on both sides of the ball against either they need to be to take that next step. But it was still a very um, promising performance. They showed they could compete with Notre Dame. The game was pretty much the Clemson game last year. They showed that they can, they can, yeah. they can compete with the top program in the country but they've still got some work to do if they want to beat one of those teams. Um, and so I think, you know, you look at it from after the game, it's been now 72 hours since the game's over. If if you would have told me that Carolina scored 17 points and only lost by really one touchdown instead of two, that last one was a garbage touchdown, I'd have told you right out of your mind. We thought going in there, they would have to score points, kind of make it a shootout, yeah. but they were able to play a defensive game with Notre Dame and played the field position game for a while and held, and held on and, and kept themselves in it, so – It was a very promising performance. We're not here for moral victories, but the program's still on the right track.
0: Yeah, I think that the comparison to the Clemson game is is pretty on par because that was a team that came in last year having lost two in a row, weren't feeling overly confident about them defensively. Defense steps up, but you just weren't able to put the points on the board that you needed to to be able to win the football game. Offense gets a lot of blame in this game. Uh, And, you know, potentially – Could be right on that, but um, you know, I think it's there's just this Notre Dame team is just so they're they're a better football team than Carolina is right now. The talent's there, the depth is there, and you could see that as the game went along primarily in the third and fourth quarter. I thought that Notre Dame's defensive line, which is a group that can rotate two guys at each position, just sort of wore down Carolina's offensive line. You know, Jordan Tucker, guy that hadn't really struggled for most of the year, struggled in pass protection, Marcus McKeithen and Joshua Zudu, who hadn't really struggled to open up running lanes for most of the year, struggled to open up running lanes. I think that's the area where Carolina has got to be able to find, you know, some improvement. Again, I don't think that those guys are bad players, but they're not on the talent level that you need to be able to compete with teams like Notre Dame and and Clemson and some of those other teams that are in the conversation. If you were to get into the college football playoff, that's the area that you're trying to get to. Um, But still, I mean, the other thing you got to remember about a lot of these guys, I mean, again, you know, Jordan Tucker, you know, the experience was there from last year, but a lot of these guys still, You know, they may have one year of starting experience. Joshua Zuda was beat up earlier in the season. Brian Anderson came into this game beat up, still found a way to start and play most of this game for Carolina. So I still feel like there's a lot of things that you still take a positive mindset to, but this is what Carolina has got to be prepared for these types of teams that are going to be able to rotate guys on the defensive line and get after the quarterback. Because as we saw no matter what you did. And somebody said, well, you know, you got to go to the quick passing game, whatever they, they tried doing that. They tried doing the short swing routes. They tried a couple of Daz Newsome, a couple of Michael Carter. It just wasn't working because Notre Dame had fresh guys out there that can cover a lot of space very quickly. And those are the types of teams that are at the top of the ACC right now. Now Notre Dame of co- will of course leave after the end of the season, but still, if you're wanting to be on that level with Clemson and compete for an ACC championship, you got to be prepared for a team that is always going to look fresh whenever you throw them out.
1: Yeah, Kirk Herbstreit made a pretty good notice saying that Notre Dame doesn't do anything really toxic with their defense. They kind of just line up but they play defense, and they're really good at that. And their guys just know how to get to the football and so even when Carrot, because I thought Phil Longo, give him credit, I thought he tried to do some different things to get the offense in a rhythm in that, in the second half. It just wasn't there because Notre Dame took it away. And I think, as Tar Heel fans, we right. were thinking it was all our fault. And, sure, we, we had, you know, missed assignments and we didn't execute at certain times. But a lot of it was – that that's how good Notre Dame is defensively, mm-hmm. is that they were able to just take Carolina what they want to do, make us uncomfortable, and they were able to just wear us down at the line of scrimmage. So um, – but, you know – I still think you look at it. I mean, if Sam Howland threw for two hundred eleven yards and you were still in the ball game, you didn't. You only ran for eighty seven, and you were still it was a one possession game in the fourth quarter. So, as bad as it was in terms of how our offense going into the game, what what it's been producing, yeah. the fact that they weren't able to produce even half what they normally do, and you were still in the game, was was very promising. I thought defensively, I think Carolina just got they just got they got worn down. just like our offensive line got worn down because Nerdank was just able. They're one of the best teams in the country at lining up and running the football, and grinding out those three- to four-yard runs because they know in the fourth quarter those turn into big gainers, and that's what happened. So I think, you know, when we look back at the season, and Mac looks back at the season, progress was made, but he'll understand that they got to get better in the trenches for the program to
0: take that next step. Well, one of the areas that they've also got to get better in is penalties. This team discipline has been an issue yeah. all season for them. You know, again, it goes kind of unnoticed in some of the wins that you've had most recently because, again, you had the amazing comeback win against Wake Forest, you had the blowout win against Duke. Same thing in the game against NC State, but they were still there. There were still problems in that yeah. in those games as well. It's Carolina teams averaging seven point eight penalties per game, seventy five penalty yards per game, and in this game, nine penalties for ninety yards. If you want to beat a team as good as Notre Dame, simply can't happen.
1: Yeah, I think that's another thing, and I've, I've harped on it from week one. I don't think they're a a disciplined football team, Mm -hmm. and as much as you want to blame the players, that reflects on coaching, and I had no problem at the Virginia game saying, after Trey Morrison had a very bad personal foul penalty, people got to get, they got to get benched, whether it's for a play, a series, a quarter, you've got to start holding people accountable, because this is the result, is that you get into big games, but they don't know how to not play not dumb, and they commit bad penalties at the bad times, and it keeps drives alive, and and it costs you ball games. You don't think about it when they happen, but you look back about how those penalties, affect field position or affect the way the drive's going. And that's how you get out of rhythm. That's how you don't get a chance to upset the number two team in the country on your home field. So, I think it's another place where this program's got to take the next step is that they've got to be smarter, and that starts with coaching.
0: Yeah, I I think, you know, you look at the penalties that really stuck out. I think, the you know, of course, the offsides on the fourth down, continue the drive, that that was huge. Um, And, again, you know, not not really pointing fingers because, well, frankly – you can't point fingers. We all thought, and I'm pretty sure in game, they said offside. The offsides was on Raymond Velasik. If you go and look at the official staff sheet, it's on Jeremiah Gimble So we have no idea. Both guys were very close. Uh, again, this is unfortunately also partly on the staff on that one because of how aggressive they get when it comes to the blitzing schemes that yep. they like to run. Uh, and then you have the pass interference penalty on Tony Grimes. Uh, that's another one where, I mean, again, I'm not really going to be too hard on him. I mean, he played 67 snaps on the day, looked really good. We'll talk a little bit more about him here in just a second. But, you know, you add up some of those penalties, the holding on Joshua Zudu that was on a big play in the first half. Those are the types of penalties that start to come back and bite you. And this time it was on both sides. You had four called on the offense, four yeah. call or five called on the defense. So, you know, both sides had their moments where they struggled. Carolina's got to be able to eliminate those types of penalties, not only in this game. Florida State, Virginia, those are the difference makers in games like that. We talked about it in the Virginia game. There were huge penalties in that game that cost you. I mean, there were other miscues that hurt you as well. But penalties are a big thing that can hold a team back like this, especially a team that has every other element in place, is right on the verge of being – in the conversation as a really good team penalties is something that can come back and bite you so figuring that out in the off season is going to be a big thing and you know it really hurts in this game because your defense did everything that they could Um, this was clearly an outmatched outmatched defense again granted you look on the offensive line for Notre Dame, two starters were out, but it doesn't really matter. Notre Dame produces offensive linemen every year. Yeah. They th- This is just – that's an area where they are really, really talented, and they rotated new guys in, and it worked out. And Carolina, you know, had some moments where they were able to get into the backfield – One of the things that I really liked about what they did in the front four, primarily, a lot of rotation in this game kept a lot of guys fresh. Got to see a lot of bodies and different. It threw some different elements at these guys. You know, at times you had Tamari Fox, you had Raymond Vowasi, who are bigger guys, but then you brought in guys that are more fit to those positions. Miles Murphy, Clyde Pender, both guys had success. So that's something that I think you can be encouraged about, um, especially if they are to stick with the rotation, which I think they should do for the rest of the season.
1: The defensive game plan that Jay Bain put together is the reason why Mac Brown brought him to Chapel Hill. Is the reason why when he got hired away from West Point, he was thought of as the next up-and-coming defensive mind in college football. Well, granted, it hasn't always been to that level because it was, hasn't been this year. This is what he, we're capable of being. We're capable of being a very good defensive football team. Right. And I think the thing is, is that in the back of their head, they don't think they have to be because their offense can go out there and they can score 40 on just about everybody. But they can't score 40 on Clemson and they can't score 40 on Notre Dame. But I thought the game plan – was the best game plan we've seen from Jay Bateman this year. I love the rotation. Why it's taken the, this long season to start rotating guys in, we don't know. You can probably blame coaches as a, as a, b- a big reason, that because they don't have a lot of time to get on the field and get comfortable in the defense. Right. But there's no excuse for those guys to not being on the
0: field the last two weeks of the season. Well, the with the defensive linemen, I think we talked about this. They got way too comfortable, the staff as a whole, with the fact that Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge could play the way that they played last year and remain productive. Those two guys are anomalies. I don't, I mean, look, I don't understand why Jason Strobridge has not been able to break the rotation in Miami. Uh, Same. I don't know how Aaron Crawford wasn't able to stay on a roster because they're, I mean, for them to play as much as they did a year ago and to still be as effective as they were is just amazing. And that's the thing that I think you're starting to realize with these guys. We saw it early in the year, Tamari Fox, he showed some signs. He showed some sparks. He was a guy that every week we would come on here, talk about how well he played. Last few weeks, he's been manhandled. He's been pushed around because, again, it's starting to show that he's a little undersized and maybe isn't quite ready to take on the guards and centers that he has to take on at the position yeah. that he's playing. Um, you know, Same thing with Raymond Vowasek. Vowasek got beat up early in the year, missed a game, Now the problem is is that he's never really been able to regain what he was early in the season. It's just that that's the thing. But now we're starting to see the rotations. Kevin Hester originally started it came in, but then you start seeing some of the true freshmen, Miles Murphy, who we talked about and Clyde Pender, both guys looking the part of guys that can have an effect down there on those defensive line spots, those interior defensive line spots on the edges. Timone Fox, again, Had a sack in this game. Only had two total tackles. Still not enough from Timone Fox. Same thing with Tyrone Hopper. Four tackles in this game. A little bit more productive for him. But still, at times, what went missing. That's the thing about some of those guys. In this game, Chris Collins, Des Evans got the start. Both guys, again, didn't play a ton. But when they were on the field, they were effective. That's what you want to see. Back end, Tony Grimes, similar to Storm Duck last year, gets a start against a college football playoff Team contender first career start him, own, yeah. did what he had to do I thought he looked pretty good a lot of promise if you can have Storm Duck and eventually Tony Grimes on the other side Kyler McMichael's your guy that will help you transition to Tony Grimes it's going to be great yeah. that's what you're looking for that is where when you look at this game you should take a lot away from this and say look there is progress here. There's guys to be very excited about for the long term, uh, and that's the reason why. Again, we talked about Jay Bateman and his job security last week. It's that's the reason why you've got to you, you got to still stick it out with Jay Bateman. You can't just bail on him and say, well, Will Muschamp is out there. We're going to try to f- reconfigure this whole thing. Now, don't do that. You got the right guys that are there. It's just going to take a little bit of time. One of the areas defensively, though, that they've got to get something figured out is on obvious passing situations, primarily third downs. Jeremiah Gimmel, you know, again, in this game, put on an island against your tight end, your slot wide receiver, makes still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because he's not a great guy in coverage, and he really struggled in this game. Yeah. Uh, your tight end uh, that we face, Michael Mayer, uh, he had four catches on the day. Three of them came on third downs against Jeremiah Gimmel in coverage. That's an area Carolina has to get figured out. Again, we talked about this. Gimmel is a guy that is really productive as a run defender, a guy that can fill the gap pretty well, makes just about any tackle that you need. He's done a really good job of working in when, whenever they throw blitzes his way, getting into the backfield, creating havoc. The guy is not a one-on-one defender. No. He's not. They need to find a solution, either put Kadri Jackson in there or you need to, rope to put out another defensive back. Doesn't have to be a corner. Cameron Roseman Sinclair is a big enough guy at safety, granted, true freshman, but a big enough guy where he can cover and still tackle in the box if he needs to come up and make a play. But they got to figure something out because Gimmel's just not working out.
1: That's the maturity of Notre Dame, I think, is what really showed out because Ian Book knew – Who to attack and when to attack. Mm -hmm. And he knew how to attack Jeremiah Gimmel and even Tony Groups to a certain extent. In the second half, he knew how to make plays on him. And I think that was the thing is that that's how well coached Notre Dame is. They didn't do anything impressive. They just line up and they beat you. Yeah. And he beat you over and over again because you. Well, the backhanded
0: pass. Right. That was impressive. You know, that's the one
1: play. Well, there's. You knew every time on third and long where they're going, yep. who they're going to uh, target, and Carolina, if for all the decisions that, that they yeah. made, that's the one they didn't make. And I think that's the reason why we were all sitting there in the in the heat of the third three hours. We were pissed because you still had a chance to win the game had you maybe taken them off. And and were you if you just would make Chas to they got you put out on coverage and you, you sacrifice his pass rush abilities. Something had to give because he wasn't, make, he wasn't making plays. He wasn't being productive on third and longs. And so I think maybe that's what Carolina will use these next two games because he – is he a senior? My mind's blinking right now. Or is he a junior? No, he's but, a junior. He's a junior. So he's going to be back next year. But right. you've got to understand that next year, when it gets to like third and sixth and longer, his ass needs to be on the side. Well, of well so, so so
0: here's what you do. Next year, you're pretty much going to kick him over into Chas Surratt's role, I guess. He's going to be your guy that's going to be your best run defender. He's going to be the guy that you're going to blitz on those plays if you want to. And – and eugene asante Kodra jackson Rara, Ra, yeah. whoever is going to be your guy that's going to come in there instead so that's what you're going to be looking at next year um you know that that's the biggest thing though is you know can carolina you know these next in the game against miami what are they going to do how do they figure that out um now part of it is that you would love to have some safety help over the top i just right now that's apparently just not there but I just – I don't get if the coaching staff maybe thinks that he's – I mean, do you think that he's Dom Ross? At the, like, that was the thing. Dominic Ross did that last year, but he was like – he was a special player. We learned as the season got along, this guy's really versatile. Yeah. There's a reason that you can do that with him. Jeremiah Gimmel's just not that guy, and we've seen it. This is now two weeks in a row where not only have we seen it, it has been exploited multiple times and hurt you very badly. Could have lost you the game against Wake Forest, too, because you had him on on slot receivers, and that was killing you for the most of the day. So you've got to be able – I understand that you want to keep him on the field at times, but at this point, it's like we talked about in in the post-game phone call when we were talking about this game. This, he's just not a three down linebacker. Yeah. And you know what? That's okay. Yeah. Maybe that means he's not going to go on to play at the NFL level. Maybe that's something you can work on with them in the offseason. Right now, this season, for the rest of this year, that's just not working for him. You got to get something figured out there. Yeah, no, I, I
1: totally agree with you on that.
0: And, uh, you know, so that, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up. Again, he, you know, as we say, moral victories really suck, they're not something that you want to deal with. Again, we're not sitting here patting ourselves on the back, smiling, saying, wow, this is great. But at the same time, again, this game continued to show that Carolina is moving in the right direction. I saw someone on Twitter also put it very nicely uh, and, and something that I thought was pretty much spot on this game not only showed the direction that the program is going in, but it also, it also showed you the areas where you need to get stronger if you want to be competing on that level. That was the biggest thing that this game showed.
1: I think that's the thing about when you when you lose, hopefully you want to be able to lose and it, the loss show you where you need to get better. Mm-hmm. And I think in all three losses this year, Carolina has learned where they need to get better. And it's a, and it's a direct answer where it's at the line of scrimmage. Yep. They've got the talent around them at the skill position players, at the quarterback position on offense to go be a force. And they've got talent on the defense with Chas Surratt and they're going to be on after this year. And you know you've got young guys in the secondary that can be a problem. They've got to get better up front. And I, one thing I took away from this was I think you could feel that Matt Brown knew it was a big game because that's the most animated we've seen him. This year, Yeah, he, the, was... he came back home to, to Coach Carolina. And that's something that I know I've been critical of him because there's been times where I feel like I've just – I think this team has needed him. To be to be vocal and to yell and get in their face, and he had no problem. It was early in the game too, where Carolina I think was up fourteen to seven. A missed assignment defensively, and he lost
0: his mind. More into Tamari Fox, so as he was coming to the um, sideline and Tim Cross. Tim yeah, Cross exactly. Heard it too. Yeah. So
1: I, I, I that's not so upsetting in that home where I was like, okay, yeah. okay, Grandpa, get in there, get in their ass because they need that. And, and yeah. so I think that was good. But yeah, I think the the losses this year more so than last year really shows where Carolina needs to get better, which makes it easier in your offseason, when you're recruiting, how to attack next season, how to get better so you can make a run at that ACC championship game.
0: And the other thing is when you look at the guys on the roster, because I think that everybody is looking to the future, and and that's definitely going to help, Look, especially on the defensive line. You are bringing in a ton of studs in this class again. But at the same time, the guys on this roster will get better. This offseason, they didn't. They couldn't get better. They weren't around the team. You had to sit at home and do your own workouts, stuff like that. You didn't get to go through the normal installs and everything like that, which is where you start to see which guys are standing out. You didn't get to play in the spring game. For the guys that are freshmen, there was a question asked earlier in the season from some people. Why are we not seeing as many freshmen as we saw last year? There was no spring for them to get comfortable, understand the playbook. Those are the types of things that we're missing this year. Is it an excuse? Partly yes, but also it's just facts that when you don't have an offseason to improve, it hurts. And this is throughout all of college football. It's why, college, it's why right now, we've never seen offenses play this well. That's why they're playing as well as they are. Next year is when you'll get to see some of these guys make adjustments. That's when you're going to really find out who of the guys that are veterans on this team fits this scheme and is going to work the way that we need to? And, 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 you know, that's a thing that I think we've got to find out. Same thing on the offensive line. We'll bring in some guys in this class that will fit it a little bit better, but also you'll have some guys that will be able to take another step forward in the offseason instead of a Sim Richards basically being the same guy that he was at the end of last year, throw him out there to start the first game of the year. And as we've seen, he's had to learn on the fly. As the season's yeah. gone along, he's gotten a lot better the off season would have helped to eliminate some of that so that's the biggest thing but now carolina gets ready to move on. They go back at a conference, play Western Carolina. This will be the final home game of the season. And this game, again, we're not really going to talk a whole lot about Western Carolina. Western Carolina got destroyed by Liberty. Western Carolina got absolutely killed by Eastern Kentucky, a team who absolutely stinks and was destroyed earlier this season by multiple FBS opponents. (laughs) This team is not good. Let's just – this is not the Western Carolina team that we faced back in 2017 that had – one of the best seasons in program history. It isn't isn't even the team that we saw in 2018. This is a team that Carolina should steamroll very easily. Um, Again, you know, when I look at this game, this is a chance for Carolina to flex the muscles, to rest some of your starters. You want to try to get them out early, allow them to be fresh for Miami. And the other big thing, and the thing that I think we're going to want to see the most, get some of these young guys on the field, not only on defense, but on offense too.
1: Yeah, I think, this game, even if Carolina had won the game against Notre Dame, they needed this type of game before Miami. Now you're coming off your probably most emotional loss of the season because Carolina put so much into that game as they should have, and you got beat, so there's going to be a letdown to some degree. And that's what you're playing a god-awful FCS opponent, and this is a game that should be over in the first quarter, and I expect it to be over in the first quarter. So what you're looking to accomplish in this game is to – Execute on some things that you didn't execute last week well against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Get your offense back in a rhythm to get ready to go to Miami. But the main goal is to get some of the young guys who haven't been on the field as much in the, uh, on the field and the young guys that have been to let them continue to grow and let them continue to play because yep. you should be able to go out there and be with more reckless abandon. And I expect to see all four quarterbacks in the game at some point for Carolina. I expect – Even Jefferson Boaz. Yeah, get them snaps. all in there. I, I expect to see Jay Bateman – do some different stuff defensively because this is the one game where you can do all that. So you should do all of that. Right. Um, but you know, it, it, I don't really know what else to say because it's not like you said, it's not like we're in 2017 where had they beaten Carolina? I mean, it still would have been an upset, but like Carolina was that bad. Carolina
0: was bad. They were very they were good. good. Yes. That, like it wouldn't have surprised you this, if this game is not over at the end of the first quarter, will be surprise. Yeah. They played two games all season. They haven't looked good. Carolina should have not much of an issue with them. Um, like you said, I think the defensive side of the ball is where everybody will be keeping an eye on, try to get some of these guys in there that, you know, have been playing a little bit for you. Mainly you want to get them more familiar with the defense, get them a good amount of snaps out there. So they're comfortable enough when they have to play against Miami, which they're going to have to do. You need to see guys like Des Evans, like Miles Murphy, like Kamen Rucker. Those guys have to play against Miami. That's got to be part of the rotation because that's where you've been most successful. So uh, that's going to be a big thing for Carolina in this game. And then, of course, senior day for Carolina. Uh, Again, going to be a little bit unorthodox. The crowd won't be there. Still going to have the parents there, though. And you're sending off – you know, unlike last year, I remember when we did last year's. You know, there were were some guys, but again, it still wasn't really a class where you were like, "Wow, we're losing some really big guys here." I think a lot of these guys, you know, especially the back half of their careers after Mac Brown took over, really started making some pretty big impacts. Uh, you got Daz Newsom, who's of course a senior. We all know what Daz has done these last two years, really starting to get it going here at the end of the season after a slow start to this season, but was tremendous last season, uh, over 1,000 yards receiving. Patrice Renee, he's probably the only exception to this rule. He was fantastic in 2018 for Carolina. Unfortunately, Carolina was terrible, um, but he still had a great season. Of course, last year got injured, came back this year, has helped Carolina out. At spots, we'll see how much he'll play down the stretch of the season. Michael Carter, guy that just went over 3,000 yards in his career. Uh, I, mean, I mean, again, after his freshman sophomore year, we were sitting there saying to ourselves, this guy didn't pan out the way we thought he would. Now look at him. Past two years, he has been – phenomenal, looking a lot like the guy we thought we were going to get when we originally got him out of high school. He'll end his career. Taman Fox, up and down career, gets ready to come to an end. Uh, Again, you know, looking to, you know, close in on that 10 sack mark for the season. I think he's going to have a shot at it, but we'll have to just wait and see. I know he has eight, I think, as of right now for the season. Bo Corrales, uh, you know, really stinks for Bo. I don't know how much we're really going to see him in this game because he came back this past week against Notre Dame, but he didn't play a whole lot. Um, Some, you know, the rumors again they they haven't released it a lot of the rumors say it's a sports hernia injury which that's nothing to mess around with that's something that takes a lot of time to heal as well so he's trying to fight through it we'll see how much he'll be able to play he was a guy that again last year was his big year he had over 600 yards receiving kind of broke out a year ago this year with the injuries. That really hurt him. But again, he'll have the career game against Florida State, which he'll be able to remember. Grayson Atkins came in as a transfer, uh, you know, got off to a rough start, gotten it going these past couple of weeks, had a great field goal kick this past week. Chaz Surrat, there's just way too much to say about yeah. Chaz. I mean, he's a guy that's in the hunt for the butt kiss award. Uh, he has just been sensational to go from being a quarterback, especially a quarterback of you know, those teams in 17 and 18 that were that that will not be looked upon positively in Carolina. War, to move over to the defensive side of the football start the first game that you even played at linebacker and to become as good of a player as he is is simply amazing tyrone hopper guy that was went you know through multiple defensive staffs have, as we've told you has become a starter his senior year uh really just put in the hard work to get to the spot that he is right now trevor collins your long snapper for kicks uh you know pretty important guy Carolina's been doing that the last couple of years where they've split the kicking and punting long snapping duties. He's been the guy who has been handling it on field goals and uh, extra points. And then Garrett Walston, the senior tight end, who again is another guy that's going to be similar to Carl Tucker, to Jake Vargas from a year ago. The statistics, when you look at them on paper, aren't going to tell you just how good of a player this guy was. Sensational run blocker, really developed, when he was in college, because this was a guy that came in to college, I think weighing somewhere in the two twenties. Now's a guy that can move defensive linemen if he wants to on pole blocks. So just sensational. Of course, there are some other guys that will probably be added in there. I know Zach Gill said that he has graduated as a junior, but we don't know if he's going to come back as a graduate. There are a lot of other guys. I, I was of the belief as well that Toe Groves was a senior for some reason on the website, he's listed as a junior. Um, I thought, he was a senior. I know he was a junior last year. Maybe he received an extra year of eligibility. So there are other guys that will be added. We are gonna. I'm gonna write up an article where we'll go through, look at all the guys. We'll give you some highlights from their career, stuff like that. Um, so there may be some other guys that are added in there. There may also be some other guys that are honored that we haven't talked about on here. But we want to say congratulations to all the seniors uh, that are graduating. Um, you know, just like you know, some of the memories that stick out for you from the guys uh, in this group. I mean, I think Chaz is probably the biggest one out of the group, but there's still some guys that really gave us some stuff. Yeah,
1: you you know, you start with Chassarat, you know, this is a guy that in 2017 I was tweeting that that's my quarterback with the B word after that. He'd stiffed armed a Duke player, ran a touchdown, and then later that year won him benched because of how bad he was. I uh, wanted
0: him bench later in that Duke game when he threw the over yeah, pass. That was um, not
1: not pretty. And then now you're <laughs> thinking about that guy. He's the leader of Carolina's defense. He brings uh, an edge to that team. He's an emotional leader. He's a vocal leader.
0: Got dude back with a huge interception yeah. last year you know, in, in Keenan. Yeah,
1: you know, made, made the play. We were in the stands for that. That That's was right. a wild turn of events as we were watching that <laughs> game unfold. Um, you know, you look at Daz Newsom, the impact he's had on Carolina's offense when he had bad quarterback play, then he had a good quarterback play. Mm-hmm. He was still a guy that you had to you be worried about. Patrice Rene, This year, coming back from that devastating ACL injury a year ago, the emotional leader that he has or that that he is for Carolina, um, that'll always stick up. But I think the thing about it is we talk about Mac Brown, how special he is. I think these guys reflect that because these were not his kids. He didn't recruit any of these kids. He could have easily given up on these guys and tried to get him to transfer. If if we talk – you know, we always talk about the Carolina basketball family and what it means and how it's growing – I think Mac Brown, one of the reasons why he he came back was to build that came, the same kind of atmosphere around the football program, 100%. and he he's done that. You you can feel it when these guys talk about him. You'll see it on Saturday when they get out there for the five time. They'll be emotional. Mac Brown will be emotional, and I think that's the thing about it with these kids is that they went through a really hard two years. And if you remember when Mac Brown beat South Carolina last year, the first thing he said was they've been through a really hard time because they hadn't won a lot. And when we all wanted to make it about Mac Brown, he made it about these kids, the group of students that are coming out for the final time on Saturday, and that's what we need to do. We need to celebrate it. You know, have they won the big games that we want them to win? No, they haven't. They, they, They didn't. But they still were good represent- representations of Carolina on the field and off the field.
0: And they still won some and they, games. And, and, and I mean, they, South Carolina, Miami. They left the program
1: wins. better than when they found it. Yes. And I think oh, yes. For, for, definitely. For guys that don't win championships, as long as you can walk away saying I left it better than I found it, you, you you did a good job. And these guys will always have a place in our generation's Carolina football heart. So that I think that's the thing is that you know
0: um, they they deserve to be recognized and be honored, and we we should celebrate them. Let's make our picks for this Senior Day game against Western Carolina. I'll go first. I think uh, easy win for Carolina. Western Carolina just comes in severely overmatched. Only two games this season. They've really struggled in those two games. Carolina should have no problem in this game. Give me Carolina 59-10 to over Western Carolina. I, I
1: want all the points. I want them to not care about the blowouts. I want them to be greedy. I want
0: 70-7, Carolina. And I want 56 of that in the first half. My goodness, I don't even know what to say to that. The only reason I say 59, like I think if the if the, if the main offense stays on for a while, but I think once it gets even close to out of hand, they're going to rotate in. Yeah. Because this will be interesting to go back and talk about this game. If they we start to see some of the younger guys rotate in, because there's some positions like running back, who's going to be that guy that's going to step up with Michael Carter, Potentially Javante Williams. Potentially Javante too, as as well. So those are the types of things you can figure out in this game. So it's going to be interesting to revisit that afterwards. So uh, that wraps up this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Again, that game against Western Carolina, it'll be on December 5th on Saturday. Uh, It was originally a Friday game. It is a Saturday game uh, now that it got moved up a week and it will be a noon kickoff on ACC Network. So make sure that you guys are checking that out if you want to listen to it on the radio. Coverage will start at 11 o'clock pregame with Jones Angel, Dave Nathan, Lee Pace, uh, as well as Brian Simmons and Jeff Saturday also on their coverage. Uh, and then it should be Jones and Lee to take you through that one as Carolina wraps up their final home game of the season. We'll have you covered on the website, as always, Uh, We'll have the uh, preview for that coming out Uh, that should be out when you guys are watching this we'll also have the recap stock report and trench report for the week uh, as well it'll go actually recap trench report stock report and then we'll of course move to the final game of the regular season now I know there may be some concern around Miami there is no reason to be concerned about Miami that game against Wake Forest was canceled due to COVID issues for Wake Forest. Miami is now scheduled to play Duke, who was scheduled to play Florida State, but Florida State has already canceled their game with the Blue Devils, meaning that Miami and Duke will now play as the schedule makers were able to put that together quickly. So everything looks good for Miami. It looks like they are going to be able to play, so Carolina will still have that crucial matchup and one that we we talked about a little bit the other night might be a pretty decent measuring stick for where this program is at. That could be a big game at the end of the season. So we'll have you covered the rest of the way for that. Of course, uh, with it being the end of football season, you know what what that means. On the website, it's prime basketball season. Carolina just got underway last week against uh, the College of Charleston. When this is coming out, you guys will have seen the entire Maui tournament as well. There'll be plenty of coverage of that on the website. We've got the recap of the entire tournament. Josh gives you uh, some some, uh, points on each game that Carolina played in the tournament, so you guys can go ahead and check all of that out. Of course, uh, this year's Maui tournament, not quite as scenic in Asheville, but still uh, a nice location there. Uh, in the great mountainous area of North Carolina. So uh, a lot of excitement around this Carolina basketball program, even though, you know, there were, there were some bumps in the road uh, in that first game of the season, still a lot of uh, a lot of chance for Carolina and at the top of the country where there is a lot of, fluctuation. We've seen some teams get yeah. beat already that we didn't think we're going to get beat. So uh, still a lot. We got you covered on that. And then of course, when baseball season rolls around, we'll even have you covered on that front. When it comes to the podcast, make sure that you guys like and follow the Facebook page so that you get the message whenever a new edition is coming out. It'll tell you we're about to premiere a video so you guys can be locked in, ready to go whenever the video goes up. Of course, we've shared into all the Facebook groups as well. So if you're in one of those groups, we encourage you to share it as well. Uh, and then uh, when it comes to the podcast, Side of things, you guys, listen wherever you listen to. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, uh, Spreaker I'm just naming them all off. Wherever it's at, rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us move up some of those rankings so that other people who haven't found our podcast just yet, those tutorial fans that are missing out, can find us and get in on all of this great talk. Uh, when it comes to Carolina basketball and football, and then of course. Uh, we uh, encourage you to subscribe. That's for you so that it'll go straight into your podcast player. So whenever you have a new edition, it will be right in there, ready to go. So you can listen to the Real Tough Walk podcast whenever and wherever. So that does it for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting it with me. I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!